0: Hello, this is Ben, Crazy Otaku's Fearless Later, and you're listening to Annie Gamers Podcast. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Annie Gamers podcast. This is episode one, and uh, I guess I should make some introductions before I begin. I am Evan Minto, also known as Vampvo, and I am the editor-in-chief and owner and founder and general administrator of com. We're an anime and video game website. I mean, Maybe you didn't find us through the site. Maybe you found us through iTunes or something, so you might not know about the site. This podcast is a—it's uh, going to be a podcast to provide bonus content for the site. So we'll have interviews, we'll have audio reviews and debates and, you know, whatever stuff you want to hear, really. it's probably won't be weekly. I'm not sure the, the exact speed I'll get the episodes up. It all depends on when I get audio content. So as for this first episode... This is an interview I recorded with the uh, famous video game composer, orchestrator, and conductor, Andy Brick. I met him at Castle Point Anime Convention in Hoboken, New Jersey, on Sunday, April thirteenth, two 2008. And uh, I did a quick interview with him, asked him about his career, and general, asked him general questions about video game composing. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a very interesting interview, and Andy's a really nice guy. Uh, if you'd like to hear some of his stuff and find out about, find more about him, uh, check out www.andybrick.com. He's got a whole website there. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned this in the interview, but he did some composing work for, or orchestrating work for uh, The Legend of Zelda, as well as games like Final Fantasy, which I know we do mention. So uh, if some of you don't think about composing and orchestrating as uh, a big part of video games, start thinking about it now, because you'll hear how much of an impact he's got on the very games that you play. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks for listening to the podcast. All right, so uh, let's start here. Uh, Mr. Andy Brick, welcome to the uh, interview. Thank you for having me. Uh,
1: if you'd like to maybe introduce yourself and what you do you know mm-hmm. uh, my name is Andy brick I'm a composer conductor and orchestrator mostly of video game music some film music and some other random stuff that's usually related to image or animation in one way or another uh, one of the first things I wanted to
0: make sure we get out here is that uh, what exactly is the difference between composing conducting
1: and orchestrating mm-hmm. music good question Uh It's funny because what you wind up seeing on a video game or hearing as a soundtrack on a video game or in a film is not done by one person. Rarely ever is it done by one person. So when you watch a film like Star Wars and you see the composer's name, John Williams, it's rare that one person actually did that entire thing or that one person constitutes what it is you hear. There's usually a couple of people involved or a couple of job descriptions anyways. The composer is somebody who sits down and writes more or less the melodies and, and kind of the harmonic content of the piece and the rhythmic content of the piece. And oftentimes the composer will write for nothing but piano. Or maybe they'll write for two pianos. Um, but generally the composer in the video game world or in the film world or in a lot of commercial media will not write for orchestra. Sometimes it's because they don't have the skills to do it. Sometimes it's because they don't have the time to do it. Certainly a guy like John Williams has the skills to do it usually just doesn't have the time to do it. Right. Uh, so then they go to a person that's called an orchestrator. And what the orchestrator will do is they'll sit down with that piano music and they'll rewrite the piano music for the 70 or 80 or 90 instruments of the orchestra, however many people that orchestra happens to have. Once the music has been orchestrated, the job that the person called an orchestrator does, uh, once the music's been orchestrated, then that music in paper form will go to a conductor. And the conductor's job is to take what's on paper, what the orchestrator has given him, and reinterpret the piece with the live musicians. And at every step in the game, going from the original composer to the orchestrator to the conductor, the music can change quite a bit. Uh, What winds up as being the end resultant piece of music can oftentimes be very, very different from what the composer originally thinks. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's just different.
0: All right, so uh, what are? I know you mentioned some of these in your in your panel, but what are uh, some of the the big titles that anim, anime or fans or gamers would know about that you have uh, worked on? Sure. In, in what way did you orchestrate? Did you compose? Or whatever? right,
1: um, boy, I've conducted so many video games I couldn't even begin <laughs> to tell you. I mean, if it's if it's been a major video game hit in the past. Ten years, I've conducted it. Uh, I conducted Final Fantasy six, seven, ten. Uh, I conducted Legend of Zelda. Uh, always a favorite. Always a favorite. Yeah, I conducted Dreamfall when that first came out. I just for current titles, I just conducted Warhammer: Age of Reckoning. Um, I conducted what else? I don't. You know, the list <laughs> is so it's just wow. endless. Um, I've orchestrated. I would say about half of that list so i've orchestrated for final fantasy a couple of different final fantasy titles uh, i've done very interesting things as an orchestrator like i took i don't know if you know a game called Nintendo Dogs. yeah oh you yeah, remember yeah. nintendogs my yeah. sister has that yes show. right well if you listen to the soundtrack for Dogs, it's a very kind of bleep and blip kind of soundtrack well nintendo wanted me at one point to they were having this big um affair in japan so they asked me if i would rewrite Nintendogs for a string quartet so I did that so something oh, like wow. that can be very yes and it was nice. it was yeah it was basically rewriting the whole piece of music I took the Nintendogs theme and then kind of worked with that and did something like a theme and variations from that um, I've orchestrated for large orchestra Sims Sims 2 some city rush hours uh, oh, a bunch of the Sims titles I've worked on um, I worked for Max's for quite a bit of time doing a bunch of their stuff they of course became EA um, I did Stranglehold for Midway I did I did an early game called um, what was the name of that game um, Oh, we mentioned it downstairs yeah it was the kids game Kid Picks yeah, yeah I did, right. that, that was the first one I did um, large or Sinbad uh, that's not a game it was a film um, I don't remember. I mean, and there's there have been so many, but oh, those are a couple that are the bigger ones. Yeah.
0: So, do you often get uh, sort of hired out by Japanese companies to do the to do the music for like something like Final Fantasy would be released primarily like in Japan, right? And then, might come out in America later, but you you would do the original music for the Japanese one?
1: It depends. It depends on the project, and every project is different, and it also depends on which hat I'm wearing. If I'm wearing my composer hat like I did in Rush Hour or in Stranglehold or for certain cues on Warhammer. Warhammer was a very good example, but uh, if it's in Japan, it usually comes through Europe. These things travel around the world in literally seconds because all of the way that we create the content, the music content, is all digital. At first, So the entire process of getting the approvals and writing the music and letting the executives of the game companies hear what we're doing is all done digitally. We transfer MP3s, we transfer scores as PDF files. Everything kind of runs around the internet uh, in these very secure, protected sites. And we get all sorts of different approvals for them. Once that's done, then we wind up going to a live orchestra. So sometimes, yes. Sometimes I get involved right at the very beginning where it's done on the Japanese release. There was a game called... um, Arc the Lad. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I worked on Arc the Lad, and in that case, we did the original music, and then we ported it over to the United States. And in the port, when we came over to the United States, we changed the music, and that's Um, where I got involved. Sometimes uh, I get involved right at the very beginning. It depends. Everything's, you know, every project's different. All right. So
0: here's the big question: Mm -hmm. How exactly did you get started in a career in video game music?
1: You know, it's a good question. It's very. It's very difficult to get into the video game music industry now. When I started, nobody wanted to do it, no one. It was considered the bottom of the barrel as far as commercial jobs right. for composers. Because at the time I started, you know, we had guys, I don't know if you remember um, International Karate. Do you remember a game called International Karate? Yeah. Yeah. There was a game called International Karate. And there was this guy, Rob, Rob Hubbard, who wrote the music for it. And we had these computers called Commodore 64s yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah, these very old computers. And they really weren't capable of doing very much at all. So the concept of somehow recording a live orchestra and sticking it in the box and getting it to play back when you're doing the gameplay just was out of the story. couldn't be done. And those guys, which predated me, like guys like Rob Hubbard and, and some of those other guys, they were working within the confines of what was in the box. So on the Commodore 64, I think you had like four or eight different sounds. And that's all you had. <laughs> so you had one bleep which sounded boop and another bleep which sounded uh. And you had to combine those sounds, and that was going to be your soundtrack. At the time that I came along, nobody wanted to do video games because that was the limitation. And when I came along, MIDI was just sort of starting to take off. So uh, I sound like a dinosaur. What, what year would you say? I guess this was let's see, I graduated music school in ninety one, so this would have been around 1990, 91, 92, early 90s, early 1990s. Right, so it's
0: still in like the early Nintendo era.
1: Yes, yes, this is way back, and at that time it was impossible to get a live orchestra because nobody could do it. What was the point of writing for it? You couldn't get it in the game. So working as a game composer was considered something you didn't want to right. do, especially if you came out of a serious conservatory. So I wound up thinking well you know I have this midi equipment and I had this one piece of gear called a Proteus and it's had these orchestral sounds, and it wasn't too bad so I went to a game developer the first one I did was a game called Shadowing with this guy named Rick Dyer who um, did know, what was the name of that game? a very famous game which is in the Smithsonian and uh, I said look I can do an orchestral soundtrack for you and it won't take up any bandwidth in your game we'll do it completely via midi and so he said okay let me hear what you can do and I did So I did the soundtrack for Shadow, and that was a big hit, and that's how I got started. And of course, as time went on in the video game industry, we got into the mid-90s and the late 90s, and then 2000, um, orchestral music became more popular, and it began to be something which was...